So we need to decide if I need to, if I want to go out tonight or not. No, I mean yes. What? I said hopefully. Yeah, you just said two things. I said I said. How yes. bad do you want for this? Going out. Interview. Well, I, I I mean I need to drive. Yeah. So my the place that. How about this? Make sure you have everything set up for tomorrow, then go out. How about you come home two hours earlier than Alex and his cousin? We were at the levee and Jeannie goes, where'd Alex go? And I go, he's probably halfway to New Orleans by now. (laughs) (laughs) He was like there and then he was gone the next day. Yeah, he got tired and ready to go home. That's when I should have gone home, but I was too in my British way. It really were. And then I was, oh, should I save the you giving your drummer Christian's number for the podcast? What what are we saying in the podcast? Can we, like, do I have to rehearse for this? No, you just talk. We gotta give them a little spice at the beginning. What What do you want me to? Okay, hold on. Right now. Hold on. Perfect. Hold on. Hold on. But if we're gonna talk about that, like, what do you want me to tell? I mean, like, what do you want me to talk you about? Just be your natural self, and if there's something that is like too risque, you know, maybe Avery will cut it out. Maybe she'll forget to cut it out. I'll probably forget. Yeah. So. Goodness gracious. Nothing you would want your mother to know. Your mother's not gonna listen to this. She's so. not. Gonna, she don't know how to. Oh, by the way. My mom recently got a Facebook. She added me. I haven't added her back. Am I a bad person? Okay. You should add her because nobody uses Facebook anymore. Yeah. Yeah, but I still use it. Like it's like more like family stuff and like. Yeah, but you're not like sharing crap on Facebook. Not always. Once in a while, I will. Um, I do like the idea of don't touch the cords. (laughs) I have like my outfit laid out, my notes done. Like Did you do your prepped. research on the company? Yeah, you yeah. always ask. So I prepped all my questions, stuff like that. I'll have that laid out. Yeah. And then. Do you need to take a shower? Yeah. But literally, That'll we're, not, you up we're not picking, but we're not picking Dominic up until 11. That's when his flight gets in. So like I could take a shower tonight. That's true. And be ready to but go. But would I smell like alcohol? Yeah, you would. So take it tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. So I wake up at. I could probably wake up at 7.45 tomorrow and shower. 10.30. I would have to leave here at 10. Is it downtown? Yeah. Oh, and then you got to think about parking and the They have their snow. own parking. Oh, yeah. okay, good. And there won't be too much traffic. Yeah, and it's right. It's right by... Power? No, it's right by Power and Light. So if anything, I can just park in there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I've passed by the building before. It says DSI. Oh, yeah. does it? I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's Outside. 1201 Walnut. Yeah. So um, it's actually attached to yeah, the building that has early. Grant Thornton, I think. Or maybe it's Grant BK. Uh, either Grant Thornton or BKD. Grant I can't remember. Oh, I see. Well, I passed it so many times and I was like, I really want to work in this building. But oh, I passed yet. a building when I was dog seeing for Kelsey. It was like a construction company, but it's right by, it's on Main, right by um, the streetcar stop. Uh, like Main and 8th, maybe. Okay. So, okay. I like wrote it down on my phone, and it was like a really cute little glass, all glass building. And, and it's like, a, like a company building? Yeah, I think it's like their corporate office, but they're a construction For company. This is the office. Hold on. I want to give you an idea of the shit show that Alps was in. 
Uh, look at that office. Dude. I can barely, I had to fight for a stool to put my foot on. Welcome to Cocktails and Cadavers, the podcast where two tipsy girls tell their friends terrible stories all while forcing them to drink and listen along. I'm Avery. I'm Sorella. And today we have Jeannie. Hello, hello. We've been trying to get her on. Months. Years. We've had our people talk to her people. Yeah, we had some negotiations. Well, you know, I'm it busy. Was whiskey. <laughs> I'm busy. Okay, I got a lot of boys to attend to. <laughs> okay, or you could say just <laughs> things. <laughs> Don't have to put yourself on blast. She I wasn't. I wasn't. That's the truth. So, um, we don't really have a drink this week because this story is like really brutal. Like not brutal. Brutal is not the right word, but like emotionally um, soul sucking. So I was like, let's just do a shot and call it good so we are doing a shot of whiskey right now if any listeners want to join us i'll give you a second to you know get your shot glass yes. get your whiskey yes get ready to take this shot with us i might Bug. i don't yeah i don't really don't like whiskey that much but whiskey pretty bad story is life yeah. sorella is crazy you guys Jeannie, of course please you weigh in <laughs> and tell her the way of whiskey the way of whiskey the way of whiskey Okay, cheers. don't do it over. Don't cheers over the cheers. mixer. It's just a little dink there. Did you hear that? Did oh, you hear the glass? It <laughs> was uh, wiggling right over your engage your my nails. thank you notes. All right, oh. all right. Here we go. Gotta hate this. <laughs> oh, whiskey. That is so much worse than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah, who got that whiskey? Where's Jameson? It's Maker's Mark. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's all, that's all right. But it tastes better with... Um, I have chills. Yeah. Ru- uh, running through my whole body. <laughs> they are weak. She needs like another. Apparently my lips are dry because they really sting. Um, also, I'm sick. <coughs> I don't know if anyone can hear. My nose is running. <coughs> Why do you have Paper so towels. many issues right now? Those ones with you are good. Oh, I took one with just you, I think. So many blurred memories. Okay. <coughs> you didn't want to take any pictures. So Here, I have to delete a lot of this. <laughs> okay. You don't have to. Okay. Are we all ready? Yep. Okay. <coughs> so... Avery doesn't really know this story because when I told her I was doing it, she's like, that's not true crime, is it? Doesn't he just kill himself? And I was like, okay. Well, I thought it was like, they like they make a, made a documentary about it, right? Yeah. Have you seen it? No, but um, Jackie Zabrowski on last podcast on the left, like uh, Henry's brother. Yeah. She talks about how like devastating it is. Yeah. So, or, yeah sister. Thank you. Um, okay. So. I don't want to, like, tell you exactly – I don't want to give you, like, a rundown of it because I want it to just come naturally. But <coughs> um, this is basically the story that's recounted in the documentary called Dear Zachary. And I think it's, like, Dear Zachary, a, a father's letter to a – something like that. Is this on Netflix? Uh, I got it off Prime. <coughs> Prime. Oh, okay. So I watched it, like, a year ago. And I just remember crying. Like, I was devastated. 
And I was like, I'm never going to watch that again. It's one of those things that you watch one time and you're like, it's really good, but I'll never watch it again. Shutter Island. Uh, Requiem okay, for a Dream. Okay, first of all, I watched Shutter Island so many times. It's a great movie. Yeah, you know the twist. Yeah, yeah. Once you know the twist. Yeah, that's true. Requiem for a Dream is like kind of rough too. Never seen it. So I've only watched it once. I own it though. Anyway, so this is one of those. I was like, I'm never going to watch this again. And then I watched it again to get this information. And I watched it at work actually. Oh. And that's why I was there so late that one day. Good use of company time. Yeah. I, I out. I, I approve. Okay. So y- if you watch <coughs> this, which, I mean, maybe you will, you're going to ugly cry throughout most of it. And I don't know that I'm going to do a well enough job of, like, giving you the emotions, but I'm going to try my best. Um, <coughs> so it starts with the murder of Andrew Bagby. He was born September 25th, 1973. So Bagby's from Sunnyvale, California. He's the only child of Kate and David Bagby. She's a registered nurse and a midwife, and she's from England. And I think she becomes like an OBGYN later (coughs) after being in the States. And then David, his dad, is a former U.S. Navy serviceman and computer engineer. Okay, give me one second. I need my inhaler. (coughs) Okay. I did not know she had asthma. What if it's just like an inhaler just to have? I don't know. I think I had asthma growing up. <laughs> you don't like, have it anymore? Well, I don't have it anymore. I think it was just like, I didn't understand the, I, I didn't understand the concept of inhalers. Uh-huh. I was just like, yeah, I get out of breath when I run, but <laughs> do I really need to breathe in something? Like, I don't even know <coughs> if I was breathing it in right. Like, I didn't know how to use an inhaler. Yeah. So I just stopped using it. And I'm like, you should ask your doctor if you have asthma. I'm fine. I went to the doctor so many times. You know, I the doctor a lot. You could really slip that in pretty easily. Yeah, honestly, the amount of time that I went to the doctor, I met the what is the thing, the deductible or whatever. Yeah. Like basically, anytime I go to the doctor, any like anymore this year, it's free. I guess I my surgery was free. It cost forty grand. Oh my gosh! Hey. Free. I wish you get a nose job. It's not. <laughs> That's cosmetic. Okay. So, Dear Zachary, the documentary was written and directed by a guy called Kurt Coombe, and it's released in 2008. So, this is pretty much, Kurt was a childhood friend of Andrew, who was murdered, and he was already a filmmaker. So, it features home movies that, like, Kurt had made when they were kids. So, Andrew starred in all of these, like, short films that they would make growing up as kids. So, you have, like, a lot of these old home movies. And then interviews with, like, family members, friends, classmates, colleagues, whatever. And then, like, the true crime element. Um, So the National Board of Review of Motion Pictures named the film one of the top five documentaries of 2008. It was nominated for a ton of awards, like, all across, like, indie film fests, whatever. So Kurt and Andrew met in first grade. They had this massive social circle. Like, there are a million different people saying, like, he was my best friend, whatever. And it doesn't seem like the force, like, he's dead now, so I can only say nice right. things about him. It seems genuine, like, he was well-loved by a million people. And Hang on, is this the guy who killed somebody? No, he's the one who was killed. He was Andrew. killed. Okay. So, Andrew was in all of these, like, home movies, and Kurt said he liked being in them because he could, like, cuss and smoke in front of his parents and be like, oh, I'm just acting. And he was, like, a good kid. He was, like, an Eagle Scout. He was... It was like picture perfect childhood. It seems like. Is this in Canada? 
California. But we do go to Canada <laughs> later. Why does it seem like it's in Canada? Because <laughs> it's like picture perfect. <laughs> okay. What's um, wrong with Canadians? <laughs> so his mom's an OBGYN, and so he wants to become a doctor too. He's planning on going through like the surgical route. And he applies to medical school after college, but I guess nobody offered him a spot. So he's like, I'm going to get a job, work for a year, go reapply, which he does. And he gets accepted to Memorial University of Newfoundland in St. John's, Canada, which I've been to New St. John's. It's this miniature island. And it's like the eastern most point of North America or something. I had a layover there. The people are so nice. I was annoyed. Wait. I was like. Why? How can they be how, so nice? You're annoyed. How is it the most north? Wait, eastern. Eastern. Okay. Yeah. I because they'd be like, like do you need help with your bag, sweetie? Do you need, like, I was also, it was a 32-hour trip from Dublin to Kansas City, which is, like, too long. Like, double the amount of time it should take. Yeah, but also, the rudest people I've ever met were in Iceland. Really? Airport, yeah. I guess I didn't talk to anyone when I was in Iceland. I would love to go to, Can- I would rather take nice over. Yeah, well, I went from. Because me, me and my sister were like, oh, man, we're screwed if this is what the next two weeks are supposed to be in Europe. Because they were mean. That's strange. I wonder if it's because yeah. they're not mean? used to people. Just rude. Just really rude. They're not used to a bunch of tours until like recently when all those airlines did all that. Right. Shit. So I think I went from like Dublin to London to St. John's to Toronto to New York to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And it was awful. And so by the time I got to New York and people were being rude to me, I was like, welcome back to America. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I've been there only in the airport. It was nice. Um, so he goes to Canada. And at this point, he was engaged to this woman named Heather, who's in the documentary. And she seems like a longtime friend, and they got engaged. I don't really know. They break it off when he goes to Canada, though. And so he's, like, suffering from a pretty bad breakup. And he's pretty, like, self-deprecating and being like, who would want to date me, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know. So he starts dating this girl. Her name's Shirley Turner. She's, like, 12 or 13 years older than him. So when he's 28, she's 40, 41. So, like, pretty big age difference. She's also studying to become a doctor. I don't know what kind of doctor, but a doctor. And (coughs) all his friends are, like, giving him crap. They're like, oh, you're banging grandma, blah, blah, blah. But he's like, yeah, she's nice, whatever. I think he's just kind of homesick, and she's, like, making an effort, so he attaches to her. So Shirley Turner was born in January of 1961, She's a Canadian-American daughter of a U.S. serviceman and a local woman from Newfoundland in Canada. And she's was raised with her three siblings in Wichita, Kansas, but then moved to Canada with her mother after her parents separated. And then in 1980, she enrolls in Memorial University of Newfoundland in St. John's to, like, get this medical career, whatever. <coughs> that place is really handing out. Medical degrees, yeah. yeah. And she's not the last person to go to this college, so I'm surprised he's bringing it up. So <laughs> <laughs> she gets pregnant in 81, so like a year after medical school, she gets pregnant. His baby? No. Oh. No. This is like early on in her life. He's probably like a kid at this point. Oh, so cute. No, he's probably a kid. <laughs> um, yeah, he's only, let me do some quick math, eight Ew. when she gets pregnant? Okay. So her son's born in 82. She gets married to the baby daddy, um, and her husband is a stay-at-home dad while she continues to go to medical school. 
In 83, she moves to Labrador City and works as a science teacher, and then two years later, she gives birth to her daughter. During this period, she resumed a previous relationship with a fisherman from, like, another town, and this causes her first marriage to end in 88. Um, So she then marries the fisherman from the other town, and they have a daughter in 1990. Damn, how many kids does this chick have? Three. Three at this point. And then she separates from her second. She marries that guy, separates from him after they have the kid. And then she completes, at this point, she's only just completed her undergraduate education while raising children with help from her second husband. So then in October of 93, this guy was like living with her and he confided to his therapist that he had witnessed her physically and emotionally abusing her children. So Newfoundland social workers interview these kids and... um, They stated that their disciplinarian mother punished them with spankings and beltings. And her second husband, in his own interview, claimed that Turner only used the belt as a threat. This case was closed without Turner ever being interviewed. And then three years later, Turner divorced her second husband and was granted custody of their daughter. But then within days of the ruling, she sends her daughter back to the father to live with him. And then she sends her other two children to her first husband's paternal grandmother or their paternal grandmother yeah so she like wants to be a mom and then doesn't and so she sends the kids away so So this bitch is crazy yeah okay you know that's a quick way of putting it so she had been taking out i guess they call them baby bonuses for her children from like a scholarship fund I don't know if, like, the Canadian government does this or if it's, like, I don't really know what this is about. But she's been taking out these bonuses that were meant to send her kids to, like, higher education. And she's using them to put herself through school and support herself. And she's like, well, I'm going to become a doctor, so it doesn't matter. I'm going to be able to support these children no matter what. Who cares? I'm going to take the money from them. Um, and she receives her undergraduate degree from Memorial University in '94. And then four years later, she earns her MD degree. So between 98 and 2000, she serves as a medical intern or resident physician at teaching hospitals across Newfoundland. But she has, like, this evaluation in 1990 with, like, the – it's, like, at a family practice or whatever. And her supervising physician stated she would be quite hostile, yelling, crying, and accusing me of treating her unfairly. And basically the entire time people are like – um, they were, like, concerned about her, like, bedside manner, pretty much. And they, one guy was, like, I felt I was being manipulated whenever I spoke to her. Um, when negative items would come up, she would change the topic, fo- like, to one of, like, his failings. Like, he'd be, like, hey, you gave the wrong dose of this medicine to so-and-so. And she'd be, like, well, yeah, well, last week you did whatever. Like, she couldn't take constructive criticism from her, like, physician like the physicians who were training her essentially so (coughs) then in march of 96 she begins a relationship with another guy who was 13 years her junior and after he broke up with her he moved somewhere else and she would like call him all the time and then she confronted him and hit him with like her high-heeled shoe in the jaw and was like pretty much stalking him he like moves to the states (coughs) And she follows him, leaves threatening voicemails over the phone. Um, She would, like, make unannounced visits to his apartment, whatever, like, all this crazy stuff. 
and he told police he feared what Dr. Turner would do next. So then on... Oh, at that point she was a doctor? Yeah. Okay. At this point she's a doctor. So at one point, he found her lying semi-conscious outside his apartment. She had ingested a combined 65 milligrams of over-the-counter drugs in what may have actually been like a suicide attempt. And um, she was wearing a black dress, carried a bouquet of red roses, and two suicide notes on her person. One was addressed. May have been a suicide attempt. She yeah, was suicide. Def- yeah, it was a suicide. Yeah. Um, and one was addressed to the guy, and then the other was addressed to her psychiatrist. And the latter read, "I'm not evil, just sick." And she was rushed to the hospital. Stomach was pumped. And then the next day, that ex-boyfriend found a voicemail from a female caller. It was like anonymous or whatever, and it's obviously Turner saying, uh, "Doctor Turner died last." Or something like that. Like she's just being dramatic. So then, um, she starts dating Andrew, and there's an age difference, but he doesn't really care. Okay. So in 2000, he graduates from Memorial University. He lands a surgical residency in Syracuse, New York. And despite like the difference, she I think moved to Iowa. Oh. All the crazies in Iowa. So I'm <laughs> just kidding. She was she was living in Iowa. He was living in New York or Syracuse, and he like they still tried to do like a long distance relationship, and he hated Syracuse. Like he really didn't like it, and I think it's because he was a surgical resident. So he figured out like surgery wasn't made for him. But also he connected with Shirley even more because she was like attempting to like keep the connection alive with him or whatever so she would come visit him i think he said like she visited him seven times and he went and visited her once and it was just like she was making an effort right so then she's working in sac city iowa with trimark physicians corporation and then a year later andrew realizes he doesn't want to pursue surgery so he moves to Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and begins his residency at a family practice. So he's going to be like a family doctor. And he, like, loves it. He's, like, all about this. He wants to live in a small town and be, like, the town's doctor and know everybody. Like, people are talking. They're, like, he diagnosed my daughter's cancer before anyone else could, and he saved her life. And, like, everyone had nice things to say about him. Um, <coughs> so at this point, he's, like, a lot happier. And so he's, like, I want to break up with Shirley. And... She Did he wanted to break up with her before he was happy? No, no. he kind of felt like she was just, like, filling a void. Oh. And so now he's happy. He doesn't need her to fill a void anymore. He's like, I'm actually not happy with her. I want to break up with her. Mm. <laughs> I know that, that makes him seem, kinda, like, shady. That seems kind of shitty. It's just, like, a bad like when you have Yeah, when you're in, like, a bad condition, you want this person. Now you're feeling good. Now you want to leave him. Yeah, but if he is in a bad condition, I mean... He didn't know what for he a was few doing. years. Yeah, because like if he was a surgical resident, that's like two years right there. Right. So like if you are so down for that long, you don't realize that you're being kind of a dick and wasting you're that like person's depressed. time. Yeah. You know, when you're depressed, a lot of times you don't know you're depressed. Like you're and think about it, they could have only gotten along because he was like dark and depressed. So now that he's like happy and like a like cheery, like they could have had nothing in common now. Yeah. Hmm. And she's older than him. She has kids. Like. Barely. Barely. Yeah, what happened to those kids? (laughs) (laughs) So in July of 2001, she, like, thought she was supposed to go to this wedding 
with him and like he was the best man at like all of his friends weddings like he, everyone was like he was gonna if they weren't married before he died they were like he was gonna be my best man and like five different people said this and so he's making this speech at this wedding whatever he's talking about he's an only child but he feels like he grew up with all these brothers whatever she thought she was supposed to go to a wedding with him and he uninvited her or i guess he never invited her like they never agreed to go to it and so she um like she, he's at the wedding and she calls him throughout the ceremony and then um she he finally picks up and he's like why are you calling me and she's like i just want to know what you're doing and he's like stop fucking calling me what the fuck is your problem hangs up on her and like silences his phone or like puts it on like turns it off or something and she left him 30 voicemails oof yeah that is aggressive as fuck <laughs> literally and is like constantly calling him. So um, it's at this point that she had like a 10 year contract with this firm. I don't know what they are, a corporation in Iowa. A year into it, she leaves and moves to Council Bluffs, Iowa, where she was hired by Allegiant Health System of Omaha, Nebraska. So she like leaves her contract to go work for somewhere else. Um, and then a few months later. But not at all closer to him. No. Which like is weird. Go to, Pen- go to the East Coast. Right. Yeah, because if she was so obsessed with them, why are you mm. staying in Iowa? Yeah. Right, and then you move, what, further, in, you're still in the Midwest. Yeah. You just move yeah. further south. I mean. That's weird. I don't really know what she was thinking. She probably could, like, all his friends were like, it's Good weird. for an alibi if she kills him, though. That's true. Yeah. But all her, all of his friends, who are also, like, his colleagues and stuff, also doctors, are like, it's weird that she got her medical degree and was not practicing. She was working for a corporation, but she had her MD. Oh, yeah. So that they were like, weird. she couldn't hold down a job as a doctor. Oh. So they thought, even they were like, this is weird. Like, why is she working for a corporation when she went through all of that to become a doctor? Yeah, I and never she, even considered that. I kind of, when you said corporation, I kind of assumed it was like Mayo Clinic, where it's like 14 different hospitals all in the same room. No, it was like she was working for a corporation. So she was effectively working working for like United Healthcare. Yes, she wasn't working for like. No, I mean she might have been doing something, but like it wasn't like she was making the money a doctor would make. Oh yeah. Um, so then in October she this is two thousand one, she gets her permit to buy a firearm and she purchases this like handgun with twenty two caliber ammunition, and she had taken like lessons. Uh, what are they called? Shooting lessons. Shooting lessons. Oh, yeah, I guess. Uh, she's taking lessons. She had an instructor. Okay. And um, at this point, her, like, behavior kind of changed. Not changes, but it's, like, more aggressive. She's being, like, extremely possessive of him. She's How old is she at this point? She's, like, I guess she's probably, like, 40. Like, mid-40s, maybe? She's, like, I think she's 40 and he's 28. 28, at this okay. Point. When did she turn? 61. And this is 2001. Yeah, she's 40. Okay. So she's, like, becoming possessive of him. But they're then not dating anymore, correct? They're not dating anymore. He wants to break up with her. I don't know that he has fully yet. But there's another wedding that he has to attend. Oh, so they were together when she was calling him at the wedding. I think so. Okay. I don't want to sound crazy, but I kind of get that more now. Yeah. Because if it was, if they were, if it was, blah, 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 blah. If, um... She was his ex and was calling him like that's nonstop. That's different. If my boyfriend 
mentions a wedding that he has a plus one to. He's the best man. He has a plus one. Yeah. Right. That he has a plus one to, and I'm not invited. Invited, and he hasn't told me what he's doing that night. I don't get the thirty calls, obviously. Yeah. But I would be like, what? What's going on? Like, I would do the opposite and be like, cut off contact. No, see, I, my thing would be, I would call, and then if he was like, I'm at the wedding, I'd be like. Why the hell wasn't I invited? And then I'd go uh, dead silent or scorched earth. Oh my God. Okay. So you two are complete opposite. One would go dead silence. The other one would go batshit crazy. I wouldn't, but I would make them come crawling back and apologize. Yeah, yeah. But they wouldn't. He would have been so happy if she left him alone. That's yeah, true. that's true. And, and maybe then, she knew that. Mm. I don't know. Jeannie, what would you do? Honestly, you did just ask for a plus one day newsletter. <laughs> well, I, I need a plus one, okay? Because, you know, I don't want to go Back. alone, you know? What? You're going with Thrill and Christian. What? Maybe who are they? Have, maybe we'll I don't know who they are. We'll have a plus one. Christian might be dating that guy on exactly. the floor. Exactly. Technically, I have n- none of you guys have plus ones. Are the only you person kidding who me? does is. What if I get Kelsey married? Kelsey and Wit. Why does Wick get a plus one? He's not even with anyone. Because he requested one, and frankly, it's hard to keep what? him anywhere. He requ- That's true. He showed up to your engagement party and said, okay. I go, oh, what, are you going to, like, Irish goodbye in 30 minutes? He's like, yeah, I'm out here at 8, 810. Yeah. I was like, okay. And then he hung around till 815, and I was like, wow. wow. Oh, really wow, wow. Five minutes. Who cares? <laughs> I, I want a plus one. Anyways, you need I- to show me that you are... Okay, if I'm dating someone, do I get a plus Seriously. one? Seriously. Yes. Okay. If you are dating someone... You it's get a in a year. One. Anything could happen. And you're right. You're right. I'm, that's why I'm saying if you're dating someone, you're getting a plus one. I'm not giving you a when plus one. When do we need to solidify this? Like, when do you need to like, know final in numbers? Six <laughs> in okay, six months. In six months, if I'm dating someone, I get a plus one. Well, let me think of the time. So if you are dating someone by October. Okay. Oh. That gives us like a solid October. 10 months. Okay. okay. Wait, do you have an official date? What is it? 12-12-2020. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think someone told me that. I can't remember. <laughs> she has me on all of her invitations. Oh, she definitely lost her invitation. She asked me where the engagement I was, was. I opened it, and then I fell asleep. It was on my bed, and then, like, I had to clean up, and I don't know where it went. I think it might be under my bed. It's for sure know. under your bed. <laughs> <laughs> Things get lost, okay? <laughs> okay, so 12-12. I will definitely – okay, that's not true. I might not even be dating anyone by October. And I have to meet them first because they cannot be wild cards. Of course. We'll have dinner. You'll be like, yeah, this person is legit and sexy. Honestly. <laughs> I don't think I'll think that. Jeannie you is the think wild that card and still of any relationship. Okay, True. first of all. What but I can see mean? her finding another wild card. Oh, man. Oh, I hope not. Boy. I hope you. Okay. Okay. So. Anyway, we kind of get we we sort of get if they were together during that wedding, I understand it was a rocky yeah yeah yeah. But like he should at least be like, hey. I'm at this thing and like it's yeah kinda his, shady yeah yeah. Of him. He's handling it poor. He yes. yeah he's handling it poorly, but also she's insane. Yes. Yeah, she's insane. I would his never friends, call someone that many times. His yeah, friends no. say like in his mind he had already broken up with her. He just hadn't done it yet. He was like putting it off because I don't know why he p- handled it poorly. So she uh, after she got the gun, she starts acting possessive. Um, she would call his ex fiance, the oh. Heather girl. And was he even contacting that girl anymore? Yeah, they were still like really good friends because Ooh. they had grown up being really good friends. Oh and, yeah. And even like every friend that is interviewed was like his parents are like a second set of parents to me. Like it was one of those kind of situations where it's like after he died, the kid, one of the 
friends that gave the eulogy was like, I don't want you to think that you don't have any kids left because he's the only child. He's like, you have all of us left. Like, whatever. It was very sweet. So she's calling the ex-fiance. She, she goes like she would talk forever. Like she would just talk my ear off for hours and say like crude things about their relationship um, and all this stuff. So then on October 13th, this is 2001, she tells him, Shirley tells Andrew, she's three months pregnant. And so he, at this point, knew he was going to break up with her, stops that because he's like, now I have a baby to consider. And did he know it was his? Oh, she says it's his. But like they were having sex three months ago? Yeah, because they've been together for like, I think, three years. That's a good point. So he was planning on breaking up with her, but they were still having yes, sex. Yes. Because yeah, there's another. That's so fucked There's up. another like instance in this where I'll t- you'll get, we'll get to it. Okay. All right. Um. So that's why. Does the know, does the documentary paint him as a better man than no, you because are? His best friend. Okay. You know, did it. So of course he's painted as a saint. But it really seems like he was a really good guy. He probably just had a bad relationship with this girl and didn't handle it well. But. Why did him and Heather get break up again? He went to medical school in Canada. Oh, okay, right. Um, I think but that's he why. Made, they never he say made a why. long distance thing work with this forty year old lady. Yeah. Well, Heather says like she was so happy that he had found somebody because she was worried he was depressed, all this stuff, and what like they seem genuine friends. Okay. Um. So she tells him she's pregnant. They go to another wedding in October. Heather says like she's hanging all over him, won't let him go, is saying like he loves me more than he loves you, and but like, this is a forty year old woman. This Wait, is not like Heather a 23 year old girl. That to the 40 year old no, woman. No, the 40 year old woman, woman was saying that to her. Oh, that's so shitty. So then. Well, it doesn't even make sense. Yeah, um, too. Because they're not dating anymore. So I'd be like, and he yeah, didn't I would even hope so. Take her. <laughs> so then on November 3rd, she tells him, hey, actually, I was lying. What? Yeah, she was not pregnant with his baby. Of course she wasn't. <laughs> that was just like a thing to keep him reeled in. Why? That's typical crazy ass psycho women shit. 100% to pretending to get you're the guy to stay. Yes. That's like, what she did. Okay. And he was pissed about it. Okay, so how many months later was that? She's like, That's well, only a month later. Oh, okay. So, so like, she should have been like four months, right? Realistically. Okay. And so that was November 3rd. I guess she was visiting Pennsylvania. And on November 5th, he, well, no, that's not true. That same day, he drives her to like the regional airport has lunch with her, breaks up with her Oof. over lunch, and puts her on a plane to Iowa. Oof. So that's a November 3rd. Well, okay, but now... He has a reason. Now he's in the right. Yes. It's flip-flops. He went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that really flip-flopped. Yeah. So then two days later, Andrew goes to work in the morning. He's working like right across the street from... Or he's living right across the street from the hospital. One of his best friends is a third-year resident there. And he goes, hey, you'll never guess who showed up at my door- doorstep doorstep at 5 30 this morning who said that's the resident the best friend andrew okay he's like you'll never guess who just showed up on my doorstep and he's like who he's like that psychotic bitch that's what he said <gasps> damn and the doctor the resident the third year resident he's like are you saying third year third year okay it sounds like you're saying like third i year. am sick I know. <laughs> um his name is like i wish i remembered his name Anyway, important to the story. Yeah, he's like one of the he. But he's like one of the he's best one of friends. his best friends. Okay. He's like attractive. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah, he's his friend, his best friend. The day that he dies, like 
you know, like they were close in this small little town in Pennsylvania. Okay. And so he's like, Andrew, if someone I just put on a plane to Iowa and broke up with them and told me they were pregnant, whatever, shows up in my house after driving the 16 hours from Iowa to Pennsylvania. Oh, she drove? How does he know she drove? I think she had a car, yeah. How did he know that she actually got on the plane? She could have just got a rental car from the airport and just... Yeah, especially since this is her car. This is post 9 11. So it's not like he could go up to the gate and see her get on the plane. Yeah, that's true. Um, He assumed she had gone back to Iowa and then drove. Okay. And he's like, if someone did that and they show up at my doorstep, he's like, I'm shutting the door, walking out the back door and calling the police. And Andrew blew it off. He's like, no, she's not going to hurt me. And then he was like, do not meet her in private. He's like, oh, no, after my shift, I'm going to go meet her at the park. We're going to have a conversation. I'm going to tell her it's over again. And, uh, hey, this is at 6. I'll come over to your house at, like, 730, uh, get some beer. I'll tell you whatever happened. Whatever. And he's like, okay. And then he goes, the one thing you should know about Andrew, he's never late. And then he goes, 730 came and left. I go down to see if his car's there. It's not there. 9 o'clock, I go down to see if his car's there. It's not there. And I'm like, maybe he just got tired and ran over it, whatever. The next morning, they have morning report. He doesn't show up. It's over at, like, 8, and people are like, um, you know, Andrew's not here. So they show, like, voicemails. This, the doctor is, like, calling him being like, hey, like, where are you? You're like, you don't answer soon. I'm going to come bust your door down. Like, being joking and be like, wake the fuck up, you stupid idiot. Like, yeah. then, um, then he, um, it's from DOT. Yeah. Is there a winter they're, they're calling you storms? now. They're calling you and see what they're saying. Don't, an- no. don't answer it. It's just like the quarterly thing. Tell them. If they're not canceling the office, I don't want to know. Nine o'clock rolls around. Nine o'clock. Okay. Eight o'clock. This is the next morning now. This is the next morning. So he leaves the voicemail. No one can find him. They go knock on his door. Whatever. His car's not there. So then one of the ER doctors turns on the news and there's a report that a body is found in a local park wearing scrubs. And they're like, fuck, that's Andrew. Like they don't know, but they know. Right. And then the resident like director is called into his supervisor's office and there's three Pennsylvania state troopers there and they're like, Andrew's dead. And when the news hits the hospital, his friend who had been talking about, he says, you don't need to look far. And he tells them about Shirley. And he confirms that she was in town. Um, so he, Andrew was found in Keystone State Park uh, Tuesday, November 6th, lying behind his car in a parking lot. And a man walking through the park the previous night had seen his car. It was like a Toyota Corolla or something. Parked next to a large SUV at approximately 6.10 p.m., which was right about the time he was supposed to meet Shirley. And she drove an SUV. She drove like a RAV4 or something. So it lines up. And he was shot five times, once in the face, the chest, back of the head, and then twice in the buttocks with twenty two caliber bullets, which lines up to the ammunition that she had bought when she was taking her shooting lessons. And he also received blunt force trauma to the back of the head. And he was left behind his car. Um, So his mom, Kate, gets a phone call from the Sunnyvale police, which is where she lives in California, and they're like, hey, um, 
you need to call this police station in Pennsylvania and request to speak to the coroner's office. And she's like, why? He's like, you've got bad news. Well, uh, okay. (laughs) And then she's like, is my son dead? And he's like, I can't tell you, ma'am, but you've got terrible news. (laughs) And then she's saying that she's this cute little old gray-haired lady. She's saying this in her little English accent. Really bad. Oh, she has an English accent? She's from England. Oh. And so she calls the number. And she's on the West Coast, they're on the East Coast, and they're like, the coroner's office is closed, you're going to have to call back tomorrow morning. And she's like, I can't, you know, wait. So she calls back the California police, and they give her another number. She gets to, like, a sergeant. It's like, they're making her jump through hoops. And he tells her, your son is dead under suspicious circumstances. Do you have any idea why he was in the park? And she's like, my son's dead? And she, like, hangs up, calls her husband, um, and she's like, all she hears her husband say is no, and then throw the phone. And so they get on a plane to Pennsylvania, and in the documentary, they're sitting next to each other on the couch, and um, they he, the husband's talking. He's like this old military man. He's like, we had intended to fly to Pennsylvania, get his body, like do a service, whatever, deal with that, set our estate straight, and then kill ourselves, because there's no point going on without Andrew. It was really sad. Oh. Really, really sad. And there's these two, like, grandparents, essentially. Like, that's what they look like. Um, So they get to the coroner's office, and they confirm, like, this is my son, this is Andrew. And they're like, we just cry and hold him. And then David says Kate went, she was, like, crying on him. She went to, like, wipe a tear off his cheek. And, you know, when you get shot in the face, they put, like, a plug to, like, plug the bullet hole. She, like, accidentally wiped it off. Nope, nope, nope. she's like... She just put it in and, like, continued crying and, like, kissing him and hugging him. It was really sad. Oh, honey. Um, and then he said he just went into the hallway and screamed. And he was just thought, like, I Jesus Christ, Rolla. This is not a true crime. This is, like, devastating. I watched it twice. I don't I haven't know even know about what the, the parents part. did. I've never thought about the parents aspect. Oh, it's bad. And okay, he's we need to take child. another shot. I am <laughs> done. Okay, pause. I need another shot. And I need to pee. Oh, <laughs> fine. How many more pages? Something happens along that line. Bullet falls <laughs> up. <laughs> Whatever. You know what I mean. <laughs> okay. Are we back? Yeah. Yes, we're back. Okay. Refresh. Refreshed with a shot. So acting on statements by um, that doctor, whatever, um, the state troopers go and they call Shirley. Right. And they ask her to turn in the gun. She's like, we weren't that close. Um, I mean, I loved him, but like we were just trying to make the long distance thing work, but it was, you know, I hadn't spoke to him since, I don't know, a few days ago, whatever. And, um, they're like, Hey, can you turn in the gun? And she initially agrees to turn in the gun. She's like, yeah, of course. Moron, moron. And then she goes, PSA for all of our listeners. If you ever commit a crime, immediately get rid of the weapon that you use to commit they that crime. Not advocating Dude, killing one. Don't. I'm one. not. I'm not advocating it at all. I'm, I'm not totally advocating. I'm just saying it's, it's. It's. Why, would you give, the person the police the murder weapon the murder weapon? Well, here's the thing. So she initially is like, yeah, of course, blah blah blah. She's like, I think it's um in my closet. It's not in my closet. Um, it might be in my kitchen. It's not in my kitchen. I think it's in my car. That's me and Jeannie. <laughs> <laughs> Where is this gun? I, 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 don't, I don't know. know. It's somewhere lost, in the house. I lost a gun. <laughs> is it loaded? Yeah, probably. I'm not sure how to turn the safety on either. Just in the bottom of our laundry <laughs> baskets. <laughs> and then she says she gave it to Andrew. 
and he took it from her. Is this DST calling me again? Get a life. Oh gosh. my gosh. What if they're so calling to be like, you're fired? <laughs> no, the office is burnt down. Oh, that'd be great. But I then I'd be so. pissed. I have a lot of things in that office. And, I, and you're, <laughs> on, you're on PTO, so like it doesn't even matter. Yeah, it matters to me because if my things get burned down. Oh, your sriracha? What's sriracha? I ran out. She runs out with sriracha all the time. It was yeah. a nightmare. She used to By put, the way. We used to put water in it just to make it go farther. Okay, that is so <laughs> false because you we don't did, We water. did it like twice. We did it twice. Okay, <laughs> you do not water down sriracha. Remember no, but we, we needed went. to make it last. <laughs> that's not actually true. Okay, I put water in your okay, sriracha. Well, that's messed up. Remember when we went to that the Ozarks and you guys went to that bar? What was it called? Jolly Rogers. Yeah, Jolly Rogers. I was going to say Hoop Loops. And I called <laughs> you Hoop Loops. <laughs> I don't know. Something with Hoops. Wait, should we start? Hold um, on. Yes. Should we start a bar on the Ozarks called Hoop Loops? Okay. Yes. Yes. On the land, Hula Hoops. In water, hoops. You walk through hoops everywhere you go. <gasps> you jump through hoops. Yes. And then our thing will be like, you, you don't have to jump through actual hoops. To, no, wait. You have to jump through actual hoops to get here, but not figurative ones. I'll work on the saying. I'll yeah, work, yeah, we'll work yeah. on yeah. it. We'll work I, on I like but it. It's, but, but the bones are there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. should look like, you know, the front of, like, the Olympics. Like, so, like. Okay, yep, yep. Yeah. I already so like this idea. Yeah. How technically I think that technically like the five That's rings copyright. are copyrighted, yeah. so we have to make it six rings. Yeah, six rings. Seven rings, Ariana Grande. Yes. Put her face in the ring. No. 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 Okay. Again, copyright. <laughs> we can't put her face in it. Who could we make all of the boats park in big rings <gasps> in hoops. Instead of oh all of, okay, you're all just of the giving drinks. our listeners. Yeah, copyright okay, TM. You guys TM cannot copy, take it. Uh, <laughs> cocktails and cadavers. I have to retire in the Ozarks on this idea. <laughs> yeah. At 27. What's it called again? <laughs> I forgot what it's Hoop called. Loops. <laughs> <laughs> I was going <laughs> to Anyway, you guys totally went to that bar. Totally not the Fruit Loops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I called you to extend an olive branch because we were uh, bickering a little bit. Not you and, well, everyone was bickering. And I was like, bring back sriracha, guys, please, so Jeannie can have some with her eggs in the morning. And you guys were like, who are we going to find sriracha at an Ozark's bar? Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Like, I think the only, <laughs> the hottest thing they had there was maybe ketchup. We oh, were like, what? we like walked around looking for the sriracha. And then we were like scared to go back there because it's the Ozarks. Yeah, and then Kelsey was like, wow, that guy is so hot. And he was mm, a day over 18. And I was like, Kelsey, that is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 100% though. Ugh. A day over 18 is legal. Oh, <laughs> Cougar. <laughs> okay, back to the story. So the gun. Then she says she gave it to Andrew and he put it in his trunk. Whatever. She had told her. Um, okay. She told her gun instructor <coughs> that it had been stolen. So she's got three stories floating out there. Right. Um, so, and then she says she's been sick in bed for a couple days. And Is she back in Iowa at this point? Yes. Okay. Cell phone records. Okay. Does it, is there any records of her actually getting on the plane? Just wait. Cell phone records and internet records so show that she had made the cop. She had made cross-country calls both to and from Pennsylvania, from Iowa, and um, I lost my spot. She had accessed eBay and Hotmail from Andrew's home computer and used his home phone to call in sick. 2001, Hotmail and eBay. I just have one thing to say about eBay. Are you tr- was she selling something? 
So she was keeping an yeah, eye on gun. it. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, it has to be the gun. And the used bullets, right? Or was she just like looking for a new gun? She's like, like let me see like what's hot. Cool figurines. I'd like, be like, <laughs> let me find a similar gun and then call it mine. Serial numbers. Anyway, yeah. so they have cell phone tower records of her going to and from Pennsylvania from Iowa. And it's really advanced for 2001, right? Don't ever say 2001 like 2001. 2001! What no. is wrong with you? <laughs> 2009! <laughs> Okay, oh 2001. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. So she's confronted with this evidence. And so she's like, well, I did go and meet Andrew at Keystone State Park, but he put the gun in his trunk. Um, and then investigators interviewed her shooting instructor, and he explained that the handgun ejected live rounds during lessons, like just on its own, which is terrifying, which was consistent with an unspent round recovered near Andrew's body. So later... Um, I already said that about the person who saw it. Well, maybe it went off and he had it in his trunk and he killed himself. Five times? Terrifying. Yeah, because he, he tried got, to run. He got, no, and he got hit in the butt. So that yeah, because he was trying to run away from the, gr- <laughs> the, from the car. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, what's that Stephen King thing? Um, um, where the car. It's not Diane. Uh, Christine. Christine. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Anything could happen. So she literally drove across states. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's more evidence. Um, a lot number. The car. Okay. <laughs> There's like three more pages. The car it's arm. <laughs> yeah. There was a box of condoms in Shirley's Iowa apartment that matched a box purchased by Andrew. Like the lot number was the same. So it was the same box. So she had like taken the condoms from his. I think he bought them after he broke up with her too. Okay. So like. He, she had taken them from his, whatever. They were in his, or in her apartment now. That's a weird thing to take yeah. after you kill somebody. Um, there was also MapQuest printouts for road directions. Oh, the I miss that. Yeah, also, I still why use. Why would you not okay, get rid of that? Okay, first of all, Bailey yeah. used MapQuest to go to the lake. It was hilarious. Oh, yeah, no. You yeah. remember that? She printed it yeah, out. Yeah, she printed it, it out. Like seven pages. Yeah, it was so, it, it was it was very aggressive, but also funny. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, your life's right. I didn't even know MapQuest still exists. It still there. exists. I mean, like, and my phone went down a couple of times, so that thing came in handy. Yeah. So good for her. She was looking out for That's a, true. Me and Avery my almost life. drove down a boat ramp. Yeah, it was a street. It got so Bailey and I, we actually drove down oh wait no we didn't but we couldn't get up (laughs) we couldn't get up a hill that was so steep oh my god i don't know how people drive around there so in order to confirm that she had made like multiple phone calls along the road from iowa to pennsylvania these cell phone towers had to be manually checked because this is 2001 (laughs) <laughs> see she said 2001 <laughs> too fun of you. Fun of you. okay 2001 whatever so this took this is a process that took two weeks in that time surely Honestly, i feel like that's kind of short well yeah like I, I mean i don't know how many cell phone towers are. i don't know i don't know anything about cell phone towers god don't they still work weeks. on dial-up <laughs> no one was dial-up you're right right well in the two weeks that it took them to gather evidence against her she was, was it? able all right. Am I ever going to get this? Sorry. Can we take I'm a, started can, it we like should take a break for dial-up. When did dial-up <laughs> become like a thing? Do not please. search that. Yeah, search it, please. Oh, my God. I'm sure dial-up There's such thing as Google. Thing. Where are you going? I'm about to put on my coat on. It's oh cold as I turned up here. the heat. I know. I get it, but like I'm cold. Wait, what? Jeannie does wear her coat in the office. Like she has her coat on in the office okay. and her purse wrapped around her body. That's like because ready I'm to ready go to go. go. I'm yes. ready to go. And plus... Early 2000s, broadband was starting to replace it. 
Okay. So well, listen to this. In contrast to year 2000, when about 34% of the U.S. population used dial-up, this dropped to 3% in 2013. Someone's still using dial-up right yeah, now. Yeah, don't you remember in the proposal when they're on that small community? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's dude, funny. That's funny. Dude, our coworker, Abby, she says she goes and visit her grandma, and she has to use dial-up. And I was like, what the hell? I kind of miss the noise. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, like, ridiculous. So she well, returns to Canada, and the two weeks they're gathering evidence against Yeah, you're her. losing us, so I'd yeah, start reading yeah, faster. Okay, so Andrew has memorials in Newfoundland. Newfoundland? Newfoundland. Uh, it doesn't matter. Newfoundland, California, Latrobe, England, and St. Louis. Okay. Mm, seems like a lot. James. He has five memorials. So Shirley attends the service in Newfoundland where Heather, the ex-fiance, she's now going to the school there, medical school. Yeah. And Heather was like, I was afraid for my life. She would say things like, he never cared about you and you weren't important to him. And this is at his service. And so to try and lure her back to the United States, she got invited to the California service. And they were like, oh, please come. It would mean so much to us because they wanted her back in the United States. So they, could, they wouldn't have to worry about extraditing her. And she didn't take the bait. But then on December 12th, she was officially charged, and then she was arrested in St. John's in Canada. And um, she was let go on bail the ser- very same day. So well, like, paid her bail. Um, so the prosecutor did not even argue against that she was a flight risk, even though she had already, like, fled the United States. The prosecutor was like, yeah, she's good. She's fine. This is a prosecutor, not the defense. Yeah, morons. And, um, all she had to do was post 75,000 in bail, 65 of which was posted by her personal psychiatrist. Who she was fucking. I don't know, but I'll get to it. She had to have 65 grand? Yeah. That's yeah. So she my tur- parents wouldn't pay sixty five grand for <laughs> me if like, I got uh, kidnapped. They'd be like, "That's a little high." <laughs> this is a little high. Yeah. Well, Maybe can six. I can I interest you in uh, twenty? <laughs> Dude, my parents would be like, five is way too much." <laughs> uh, can we go down to like I don't know a grand? Five hundred? Five hundred? Dollar? Oh, why five hundred dollars? One hundred percent. They probably would pay it. A big probably. <laughs> it's still 50 50 at five. They're still bargaining. They're like. <laughs> so her psychiatrist pays the 65. Um, she has to turn in her passport, sign in once a week at the local police station, and promise not to leave Newfoundland. And, av- and she has to avoid contact. Wait, not to leave the U.S., not Newfoundland. She's in Canada. Oh, yeah. She, she was arrested in Newfoundland? Yeah, because she had been charged in America. So they arrested her pending like extradition okay and then let her out on bail the same day gotcha and so then um she has to avoid like a list of people close to andrew so then in february that was december two months later she holds a press conference stating she's pregnant with andrew's baby how and how far along how she i think at this point was four months so what is that so what did he wait when did he die november and it's february well, that doesn't make sense. That means they, they had sex when she showed up at the door. Yeah, Probably. 100%. What? Yeah. Or when he like, because he dumped her on the third and then by I think the ninth he was dead. So it could have been like a goodbye. Or the seventh. It was no, like, the sixth, let's the have sixth. sex goodbye, but and no, then no, let no, me no. kill you afterwards. He dumped her on the third. 
So he probably could have had sex with her on the 3rd when he found out she wasn't actually pregnant. So she told him she was pregnant October. He went a month thinking she was pregnant, found out she wasn't on November 3rd, sent her back to Iowa on November 3rd. She came back on the 6th and killed him. I'm sure it wasn't like five months. November to December No, 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 I know, but but she's not four months. They could have had sex in five, like it could have been five months. It doesn't make sense that they would have sex right before they break up. He thought she was pregnant. The only reason they broke up is because he found out she wasn't actually pregnant. Okay. Okay. So it could have been like November 2nd. He okay. didn't know. Uh, right. well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Logistics. Anyway, okay. she okay. is pregnant with his baby. Okay, okay. February, she's pregnant. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, and so she holds this press conference. This turns the extradition case into one invo- involving child custody. And it just, like, leads into this very complicated legal saga. Did they verify that she's pregnant? She is pregnant. Oh, she's pregnant. Yeah. Oh. So David and Kate, his parents, quit their jobs, sell their house, take out their savings, move to Canada. Very wealthy. Uh, well, she, he was a engineer and she was a doctor. So, yeah. And um, they moved to Newfoundland in order to fight for custody of their grandchild. So... For months, the Canadian courts are, like, postponing hearings about the extradition. Like, in the documentary, there's a picture of a calendar, and he's like, on March 7th, she had a hearing to talk about da-da-da-da. That was postponed till April 2nd, where da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then on May 7th, they agreed to set a date on May 13th. And then on May 13th, they postponed it to talk about the translation from French to Canadian on Are you item kidding da-da-da. me? Where does it get For to the months. point where she actually has the baby? This is not even to charge her with murder. This is to extradite her to the United States. Okay. So months. It's, like, really ridiculous. And um, so in the meantime, sh- a premeditated accused murderer is walking the streets in Canada. And um, the child, his name's Zachary Turner, Zachary Andrew Turner, was born July 18th, 2002. Confirmed that it was his. It is his. It looks oh. exactly like him. I think they did it for sure. I was right. October. She got pregnant in October. Did you just do the math? Yeah. Okay. October. Wait, I, when was he born? July. 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 Okay. So, Yeah. The fall of 2001. It just, it, it, no, the logistics just didn't make sense to me before. Okay, it might have been the tail end of October. Oh it might, it might have, regardless, it might have been the tail end, but here's the thing is he had to think that she was pregnant to, number one, impregnate her again. Yeah. Because okay. he was obviously having unprotected sex. Okay, he that makes sense. A box of condoms. He was possibly seeing somebody else. Oh, yeah. He definitely was using those box of condoms from someone else and also getting it with her. Okay, so the son's born, Zachary. Gotcha. Um, so <laughs> Zachary. <laughs> David and Kate go to visit at the hospital. She surely refuses to let them in, and they have to stand behind the glass and look at their grandson. Um, and then at this point, like, Shirley refuses to let them see Zachary. And she goes as far as to d- discharge her lawyer because she thought he had, like, a positive attitude towards David and Kate. So David and Kate filed for custody of Zachary, and after, like, more postponing, Shirley finally agreed to let them have one-hour visitations a week. And they weren't even able to see him until he was a month old. See, this is ridiculous. She is a prime suspect for the murder of that child's dad. Dad. 
And she's able to have And the she's baby. able to have the baby and and dictate visitation rights. Yes. And not only is she able to like walk free, she's able to care for a child. Well, also expect it like switch that around. Imagine if it was a man. That baby would have been taken away as soon as it was born. Yeah. As soon as the, the grandparents were like, we'll take him. Yeah. They'd be like, here you go. Yeah. Yeah. So. um, Wait, what are what are his parents doing about this? Like they're they, like fighting. They're they fighting for constant. Yeah. They have a lawyer. They've like settled in Damn. here. They said they brought like. um character references like letters from everybody in california also they probably have a significant amount of money yeah and nobody ever asked for like any like like he said we could have been convicted pedophiles in california nobody ever asked us nobody ever looked it up they did not care also you have to consider that andrew probably had a life insurance policy and that went to their his parents probably yeah so as the documentary goes on um they ask this kid was born in what year 2002 2002 so what he's probably 17 now that's 2019 you're gonna find something else out about this oh god okay so because i just i just remembered what this whole thing was so then um they go back to court and ask for more time all this stuff happens so as the documentary is going on kurt the filmmaker is traveling around england and the united states interviewing like friends and family whatever and at this point they're they know Zachary exists and they're trying to get custody of him. And so everyone's like saying these sweet messages to Zachary being like, you know, whatever you need from me, I don't care that you don't know me. Me and your dad were good friends. If you ever need me, you ever want to come visit me, you're always welcome, blah, blah, blah. Very sweet. So then on November 14th, 2002, a Canadian judge says that the odds that Shirley will be convicted in the States is high and orders that she be detained in Canadian jail until another, they said like minister, like they're, they're, yeah, judged people, um, rules on the extradition. So they're like, she's probably going to be convicted of this in the States. We should lock her up. And they're like, yeah, okay. So in the meantime, David and Kate get Zachary and Shirley starts being nice to them all of a sudden. So they had to accept a phone call from Shirley from jail every day to talk about Zachary and, like, there's one point where she's like, hey, could you go to the dollar store and get, like, one of those frames that say mommy and daddy on them? And we put a picture of me and Andrew in there. And this is the woman they... That killed her. That killed their, their son. Their and they she have to, did it for them? They have to play for nice her? because this is a child custody case. Oh, jeez. So... That's rough. Um, they had to bring him up to the prison for weekly visits. It's a two-hour trip. And they said the weather was so bad, it was, like, terrifying to drive up there. But they did it every week. Um, and they basically have to have this relationship with their son's murderer. Um, and what happens if they don't bring the kid up to this jail? They could don't say get, they're they, not. Yeah, they don't get not, the kid. Yeah, that's they're not caring for him correctly. Either it goes into foster care. And how old is this kid at this point? Probably not even a year. A few months. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So um, then this is like two months later after she's sent to jail. She gets let out of jail and she like, I guess, bypassed her lawyer and went straight to the judge and was like, I'd like to write my own appeal. Could you help me? And the judge essentially gave her a step by step process on how to write an appeal to get out of jail, which should I mean, not be. Ha- no, uh, I mean, like the judge, judge who's ruling in the case. Oh, well, who's oh, ruling in the yes. case. OK. Then oh, no. OK. No. Well. That's a conflict of interest. Yes. So and of course, her appeal gets accepted. She gets out of jail. And now she has Zachary again. Okay. So David and Kate said the judge fawned over Shirley. They 
Like she doesn't have. Is she some pretty girl that no, no one could resist? No, she's a forty-year-old woman. Forty. Well, now she's forty-three well, and has yeah. had four or five kids. Well, yes. like you can she's still not, be hot in forty-three. Have you seen Sandra Bullock's? Sandra Bullock. You just Whatever said Sandra her name Bullock. Is. <laughs> okay. You're like a grandma. She's what not. is her name? She's not. Uh, Shirley Turner. Okay. So she's not pretty, but the judge and her psychiatrist. Well, the is, judge is a woman, I think. Uh, I don't mean anything. And she was like, they fawned over her because she had no representation. She was a doctor. Da, 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 da. Forgetting that this is an accused murderer. So when they have their little interview, the judge even says, now, if I grant you this appeal, will you promise to be on your best behavior? She's an accused murderer. It's insane. Okay. So she, the judge says, Dr. Turner's detention is not necessary in the public interest. While the offense with with which she was charged is a violent and serious one, it was not directed at the public at large. There is no indication of a psychological disorder that would give concern about potential harm to the public generally as her crime, while violent, was specific in nature. So she's saying she's already killed who she wanted to kill. It's fine. There's no risk. Literally. This chick will lash out again. (laughs) So the Canadian government lets her out on the street again. Um, Then the Bagbys have to, like, the Bagbys are saving face. They have to, like, go through all this crap. And they eventually get a few hours, like I think four hours, three times a week, and then an overnight visit once every two weeks with Zachary. So they have to spend a ton of time with Shirley. They go to swimming lessons with her and Zachary. They go to the movies with her. They go shopping with her. This is the person who killed their son, and they have to spend a ton of time because they said, if we went through a third-party mediator, they'd be like, oh, we can't make this day work. Can you make that day work? And Shirley would just not allow them to see Zachary. They just thought that was the only way they could have Zachary. So um, she even asked them to, like, go speak to a psychiatrist about their negative feelings towards her because she thought they were maybe saying bad things about her to Zachary. Uh, The child. Yeah. That doesn't understand anything. Yeah. And I'm like, of course they have bad feelings towards you. You killed their son. Hello. Your mom has killed your dad. (laughs) Hi. But um, I gave birth to you, so it doesn't matter. And she would call them and be like, I feel like you're trying to replace me, and da-da-da-da-da. And I want you to know that, like, and they'd be like, actually, can we switch it to Tuesday instead of Wednesday? Because I don't want you guys to think that you're just, like, I don't want to be dependent on you as a babysitter. And da- like, st- fucking stupid. And then she'd <laughs> call and be like, I feel like a 12-year-old for always having to call and ask for things from you, but Zachary's running out of diapers and food and da 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 And, like, y- they, she literally can't care for him. And they could, and she still came with them. So, dude, the judge system back then was like brutal. Okay, no, so it's still like that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. It has, I'll especially especially for like mothers. Yeah, mothers. Like the mothers almost never. Mothers never lose a child. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Unless, unless they're like they have hurt like the child. Yeah. yeah. Okay, keep going. So on several occasions, it's noted that Zachary was unusually detached from his mother and preferred the company of other adults, especially Kate and David. Uh, so, like, at one point, Shirley throws a birthday party, like his first birthday party at McDonald's. And it was a play place? Yeah, probably. This is, like, she early seems 2000s. too young for a play place. I mean, that's what I want. Imagine putting place. a one-year-old in a play place. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Well, I guess, like, he would want to, like, get out of her arms, and he'd go straight for Kate, all this crap. 
So the next hearing for her extradition is scheduled. F- this is July, and now it's her extradition is scheduled for September. The next hearing that's going to decide if she's extradited or not, and it's highly likely that she would have been and da da da, and returned to the U.S. for trial. So on August 18, twenty three, <laughs> 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 news breaks that Shirley and Zachary are missing. So shit. Friends congregate to their house. Like they had so many friends in Canada now. Like their church. Like they really made a life for themselves. Here. Andrew's parents? Yes. Okay. And they're all waiting. Police announce that they're searching a beach and their lawyers like they're not just like searching a beach, they search the beach. Like they know something. So she goes down there and the mom. No, the lawyer. Okay. The family lawyer. And they find out that two bodies are found and adult oh. and a baby. No. Honey. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Stop. Um, so there's a happy ending to the story, guys. Wait no, for there's it. Not, Wait there's for not. It. There's I not. There's not, Jeannie. Like, okay, keep going. So the Bagbies go down to the coroner's office and identify Zachary, who is exactly 13 months old. Because it was in one month after his first birthday. So to rewind a little bit, a month prior, on July 4th, 2003, Turner meets this young guy at a bar in St. John's, and they are kind of dating. Um, and then he broke up with her because one of his friends was like, oh, you know who that is, right? And he's like, no. And she's like, she's like involved in this murder trial. I'm like, he's going to go back to the States for murder. Da, da, da. And so he breaks up with her like any sane person would. And she gets like crazy, and she makes 200 threatening phone calls to him over a month. And this is still in July. Yeah. Dude, wait. And how many times a day is that if that's 200 phone like calls in a month? 30 days. 30, well, it's 31 days, but like 30. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. It's like 20 a day or no. <laughs> 10 a day? 10 a day. 10 a day. Ten ish. Ish. Kind of. She's making a ton of phone calls a day. Okay. All right. Let's. Um, and then she claims to have gotten pregnant by him. No evidence was ever shown on that. And then so he contacts. This is the RNC. I think that's like a police or something. And on three occasions, complains about her harassment, which violated the terms of her bail and would have been grounds to lose custody of Zachary. But because the man did not identify himself and declined to find file any criminal complaint against her, no investigation was launched. So this dude is the reason why that baby is dead. Literally, he, if he no, but like if he okay, had just okay, been like right. her name's Shirley Turner. She would have, you know, gone against her bail, and Zachary would have been with the Bagbees. Okay. And that would have been that. But the RNC contacted her lawyer and asked about it, and she was like, no, that wasn't me. So the night she killed Zachary, she made a phone call to a friend claiming to be at this man's house with Zachary. Then at midnight, she drove to his house, left photos of herself and Zachary at the house, and a used tampon on his property. Um, then around 2.30 a.m., a night watchman thought he heard a baby crying and surely took her prescription for Ativan, prescribed to her by the psychiatrist who paid her bail, and mixed it into Zachary's formula, then took some herself. So because of this, Zachary was not conscious and did not suffer when he died. And she walked off the edge of the pier with Zachary strapped to her chest with a um, sweater and jumped into the Atlantic Ocean. So basically, he was passed out, but and then he died from he was, drowning. Or yeah, whatever. he was unconscious, but died from like lack of oxygen. Okay, that's fucked up. So then, 
they held a service a few days later <coughs> that like hundreds of people showed up to. They cremated him and spread his ashes in England and St. Louis, which is where his dad was also like his dad was cremated and his ashes were divided in thirds. I think the parents kept one urn and his ashes were sprinkled in England and then St. Louis because his dad is from St. Louis, his mom is from England. Gotcha. Um, and then this is really sad. David and Kate said when Andrew died, they didn't ride with the body from the funeral home to the crematorium. And Kate was like crying and she's like, he was alone for that. And like, it's really fucking sad. So they say like when Zachary got cremated, they went right up to like the door of the crematorium oven. And they were with him the entire time. And there, she's like sobbing and he's like, Andrew wouldn't have cared about that. You know, like it's really fucking sad. And then um, David says he had considered killing Shirley himself like earlier. And he was like, I would have picked a night where Kate had taken a sleeping pill and I would have snuck out of the house and killed her. And she would have never known anything about it. And if I got caught for having killed Shirley, at least Kate could have Zachary. And I would go to jail for this and Kate could raise Zachary and blah, 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 blah. And he's like, and if I didn't get caught, then we would raise Zachary and do all this stuff. And he said he thought about kidnapping Zachary, but like they'd have to go off the grid and use cash. And they couldn't ever, they were like, he never would have known who his father was because he would have had to be quiet about it. And like, they didn't want that. So they thought the best road to go down was legal, but like the government failed them. Right. Spectacularly failed them. Um, so no one like accounts. Why did no one ever convicted her of murder? Because she couldn't get extradited back to the United States. <sighs> because fucking Canada always is like, you know, too nice. And they're like, she probably didn't do it. Or I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. But no one accountable for her release or freedom would agree to be interviewed by this filmmaker. They were like, you know, he only had, he was only at one of these trial hearings and did it. Like no one took accountability. Literally nobody. What about well, that yeah, there's psychiatrist? A, there's a dead baby on there. Yeah. A psychiatrist, that judge who helped her write the appeal? The prosecutor who, like, wasn't doing his job and didn't say, like, she's a flight risk. Like, he wasn't fighting for the family. He was just kind of, like, he was writing it in. So um, on May 3rd, 2006, a disciplinary board uh, convened by the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Newfoundland and Labrador found that the psychiatrist who had given her bail money was guilty of professional misconduct um, for his involvement in helping Turner post her bail. And he was ordered to pay a fine of $10,000 and was ordered to undergo psychiatric counseling. He said he was disappointed by the verdict. And then David, the dad, said that he was happy with the president this case would be setting. And according to the filmmaker... He left Newfoundland after this and, like, went somewhere else in Canada. And then in October of 2006, um, a Winnipeg-based coroner released the Turner Review, an investigation which which concluded that Zachary Turner's death was preventable and criticized Newfoundland and Labrador's social services system for failing to protect the child from his mother, stating, nowhere did I find any ongoing assessment of the safety needs of the mother of the children. Um, and then he says, like, he specifically specifically said there's poor communication between these departments. Um, like, they, th- they cared more about her innocence than Zachary's um, 
welfare, essentially. So, like, eight people had restraining orders against her. Whoa. Yeah. Like, random people, like, throughout her life. <coughs> Bless you. And then during her two-month stay in prison, the psychiatric, the psychiatrist put her on suicide watch, and she was being checked up on every 15 minutes in jail. And she had, like, um, threatened to stab an inmate with a fork. They said she was incredibly disruptive and threat. Like, she was just, like, if they had read the records from the prison, this wouldn't, we would not be talking about this right now. Yeah. Like, it's so stupid. And then, um, but, like, that judge, she's not, you know, he said, or she said, she's not a danger to the public. She already killed who she wants to kill. Let's let her out. Yeah. She literally said that. Pretty much. Verbatim. Well, no, not verbatim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, doing a little spark notes. Of yeah. Okay, okay. But still, that's pretty shitty. Um, so then the guy who released the Turner Review, he concluded that internal disagreements between caseworkers and managers weren't openly discussed and that an intervention by an outside office should have been made. Basically, he's like, y'all fucked up. And he said, this is my conclusion. I have 29 recommendations on how we can prevent this in the future. And the government took on every single one of those recommendations. Um, One of the biggest ones was uh, Zachary's bill, which would change the criminal code of Canada to allow the courts to justify their refusing of bail to those accused of serious crimes. So, like, I guess prior to this, they had to offer her bail. I'm not entirely sure. But now they're like, if this is a violent, serious crime, we can say, no, you have to stay in jail during your trial, where she was allowed to walk free. Um, And this is, like, in the name of protecting children specifically. And it's called Zachary's Bill. And then um, this bill received unanimous bipartisan support. And... um, they said, like, this gives the Bagbees some sense that someone heard their cries, so this will not happen again to change the law to make sure this tragic thing will never happen again. Um, the dad wrote a book about the case called Dance with the Devil, a Memoir of Murder and Loss, and it was published in 2007. Sold out in four weeks, became a national bestseller. And um, if you want to find the positive in this, Kate and David became advocates for changing the law in Canada to protect children specifically. Um, And especially, like, the way child custody cases work because they had such a bullshit time getting their grandson away from an accused murderer. So he ends the documentary saying, like, I started this documentary, you were still alive, and this was a documentary for you. I was going to show you who your dad was, and you would have something where you could feel like you knew him and you had like a piece of him even though you never grew up knowing him and then midway through the documentary you you were murdered and I didn't know I was not going to finish it I didn't know who this was for and then he like dedicates it to Kate and David and it's like you are the kindest sweetest people on the planet you have so many like loved people you've done so much for children after this horrible thing happened to you all this stuff and then um, he said like you know, this wasn't supposed to turn into an account of, like, two terrible murderers. But, you know, one woman had such a disregard for human life that it did. But I'm hoping, like, we can turn this into a positive thing and change the way the laws work in Canada. And now they have. And Kate and David are little advocates, and they go all across Canada and the United States changing laws. Devastating. Devastating. <sighs> you guys did not even... He- I have the image of these grandparents crying 
and sobbing in my head for the rest of my life. I am forever changed. Oh, my gosh. Well, take a shot. cry for real. Okay, let's pause for a shot. (laughs) Another. (laughs) Another. Another one. Thank you for listening. Jeannie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you have anything you'd like to say? You'd like to plug? You want to plug your Instagram that you don't post on? Yeah, um, follow me at Jeannie18. Venmo me at... <laughs> Venmo me at Jeannie18. 18? 18. <laughs> Spelled. That's not my true Venmo. But All if right. you want, please reach out. I'm not going <laughs> to... Normally I say thanks, Mom, but I'm going to tell her not to listen to this one because she's going to... Oh, your it, mom, do not she listen would, to this she's, She would actually vomit. Yeah, it's bad. Um, it's really Follow brutal. us on Instagram co- at Cocktails and Cadavers. Um, take a shot for having to listen to this i think next week is christmas right yes so i'm do. i'm not gonna tell you what i'm doing but i'm doing it because you're going back to minnesota yep so i'm gonna have a little treat someone on we'll see how this goes without avery yes dang and uh follow us on anchor yeah and then um happy holidays yeah happy holidays happy hanukkah starts next week kwanzaa starts i think after New Year's is uh, to follow. (laughs) 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 All right. She's not wrong. (laughs) Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.